0: Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to Christians, and he is explaining their life before they met Christ. He said, As for you and as for me, I I can speak for myself and I can I can look around at some friends who have been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus. As, As for us, we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. We were we were spiritually dead before we knew Jesus, in which we used to live. When we followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And so now verse three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love, amen, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace That you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is now Ephesians 2.8, a scripture that every believer should have memorized. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves It is a gift from God. Not by works that anyone can boast. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So verse eight says that we're saved by grace. Verse 10 says we're saved unto good works. Not saved by good works, but once we're saved, we begin to do good works. So I wanna wanna talk about, two things today. I just got two points for you, and I will not keep you long, I promise. I want to give you two realities today. Jesus saves, we respond. Jesus saves, we respond. Father, I thank you for every person in the room. Thank you for every person that is staying with us in the overflow areas right now. I thank you that you're going to speak to all of us, and you're going to minister to us. I, I thank you that not one person is here by accident. I pray we would be changed now by the word of God in Jesus name and everyone said amen. 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 amen and amen. Thank you brother. So let me just give you my first my first point. Jesus saves. Ephesians 2:8 says it is by grace that we have been saved. Now, why do we need to be saved? Be- because we've all made mistakes. The Bible says that God created Adam and Eve and in the beginning they sinned against almighty God. They It was high treason against their heavenly father. God said, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. And of course, they did so. And they did not die physically in that moment. But spiritually, it began a death process. So let me just tell you this. We're all in the same boat. Um, You are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. (laughs) You don't have to teach a two-year-old to say, mine. I haven't had to teach my four-year-old how to lie. You don't have to teach a man to lust. We're just, we, we sin because we're sinners. We're born into it and we need a Savior. So Matthew 1, 21 says that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And maybe at this point you're going, I'm not a sinner. I'm a pretty good person. You're pretty good, but pretty good isn't enough. Have you ever lied? If the answer is yes, you're a liar. If the answer is no, (laughs) you're a liar. (laughs) Have you ever lusted? Jesus said, if you even look at someone with lust, it's like you've committed adultery in your heart. That means you are an adulterer. Welcome to church. I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) Have you ever murdered someone? Absolutely not. But Jesus said, if you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, it is like murder. So this means that every person in the room right now, including this preacher, is a lying, adulterous murderer. All are welcome. And look at us just singing it. Oh, I love this song. It's so good, you lying murderer. Pretty good isn't enough. This is why when Jesus Christ was on the cross, he said, it is finished. Because only his finished work is enough. See if it was on you, it would never be enough. Have I prayed enough? Have I loved enough? Have I given enough? Have I forgiven enough? Have I served enough? Have I have I done enough? Have I given away enough? Have I done enough? The answer is no, you have not done enough. But the good news is it is not about how much you have done. It matters what Jesus has already done. And he did not say it's almost finished. I did 99%. You have to do 1%. He said it's all been taken care of. The price has been paid for people like You, people like me who need a Savior. Jesus saves. Therefore, salvation is a gift we receive, not a goal we achieve. I don't achieve salvation, I receive salvation. So, you're not good enough to be saved on your own, and you're not bad enough to not be saved. Because all of us, are on a level playing field at the cross, and we all need it. Salvation is by grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone. God saves us by his grace. Now, Now, when you think about grace, maybe you've heard that or not. Let me just tell you what it means. Very simply, it means God's undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good to get it. It's God's gift to you. It's not by works. It's by the work of Jesus. That's grace, and we can all receive grace, and I'm so grateful for grace. And here's what grace is. I love this author, Philip Yancey. He said it like this. Grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us more. And grace means there is nothing we can do to make God love us less. Grace means that God already loves us as much as he can, and he loves you a lot. And His grace will always outlast your mistakes. His grace is greater than your sin. And we are to place our faith in His grace. So now Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, And now just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, or received Christ as your Lord, or if you've been in church, you've prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as Lord. As you've accepted Christ, Colossians 2, verse 6 you must continue to follow him. In other words, the way you accepted him is the way to follow him. The way you received Jesus is the way you followed Jesus. Well, how did you receive Jesus? With childlike faith. How did you receive Jesus? With total dependence on his grace. How did you receive Jesus? Totally trusting his work on the cross. How did you receive Jesus? You took your eyes off of you and you placed them on him. How did you receive Jesus? You placed your belief and faith in Christ and not in your own good works. You go, that's not how I did it. Then you didn't do it. (laughs) If, If your sinner's prayer was, you know, I want to become like a better person. I think I'm going to try church. That's not salvation. Salvation is not for bad people who want to get good. Salvation is for dead people who want to come alive. This room is not filled with good people, but this room is filled with people who have experienced a resurrection from the dead. God, changed me from the inside out. I'm not a better version of the old Jabin Chavez. I'm a new creation. I look the same with a little more gray hair, but I'm not the same. That's why Jesus called it being born again. Brand new. This isn't a good message for good people. This is hope for people who know they're dead without God. And now live that way. That's grace. I, I, I received him By faith and now I live by faith. I received him knowing I could not do it on my own and now I live that way. So I don't graduate from grace. I grow in grace. Jesus saves. Number two, we respond. We respond. For we are God's handiwork. This is Ephesians 2.10. To do good works. We are not saved by good works. We're saved unto good works. I'm not saved by the good things I do, but as I'm being changed by Jesus, I now begin to do good works. My life begins to look different. So I want to say it like this. Grace sets the table. Faith eats. Let me see all the maybe moms and maybe even dads in the house who you cooked uh, Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. Can I see your hands? Can I see your hands? You slaved all day. And then your spoiled little kids. I mean, you started that turkey at 4 a.m. You brining and mashing and sauteing and baking. and, And then your kids come to the table and all they have to do is eat. You set the table, and the kids ate. Listen, God sets the table. Psalm 23 says he prepares a table for me, even in the presence of my enemies. God does all the heavy lifting. God does all the work. God gets up before you and puts the turkey in the oven, the proverbial turkey in the oven. And from my family, God is up making the tamales. Come on, somebody. That's how we roll in this Mexican household, but whatever it may be, God does all that. God sets the table; all I have to do is eat. I, my wife and I did all the Thanksgiving cooking, and our little four-year-old Goldie just gets to sit at the table. And that's that's what faith is. Faith is not works. Faith is not well, Jaben. By faith, but you know, faith without works is dead. I understand, but the work that believers do is we eat from a table that we did not pay for. But that grace paid for. This is why the gospel and the message of Jesus is free but not cheap. It's free to us, but it's not cheap. It cost him his life. But he sets the table and we eat. And that's obedience, it's grateful obedience. I don't obey God to turn his heart towards me, I obey God because I'm grateful. If you've ever seen the show The Voice The chair already turned, y'all. He's in. Before you ever walk on the stage, he's already turned like I got you. I'm Let's go. So I don't obey to get God to turn his chair. I obey out of gratitude. That when I was not worthy, he fed me, he saved me, he raised me. This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so now we obey. And here is the first step of obedience. If you're a Christian in this room, listen up. If you're not a Christian, I hope you heard the first part. We're going to get back to it in a moment. But if you're a Christian, this is the first act of obedience. that I'm about to tell you, it is not fasting. It is not prayer. It is not worship. It is not church attendance. It's not even tithing. Yep, you heard it from a preacher. It's not tithing. The first act of obedience for a believer is water baptism. Many of you are here today to witness your friend be water baptized. What are they doing? They're not being saved today. They've been saved. But now they are doing in obedience to the scripture that I will show you. They are ceremonially getting in the water and they're letting you know, hey, the old me, they just died. And, and, and I, I know I look the same, but I'm not the same. I've been raised into new life with Christ. And, and what God has done for me, he can do for you. And it's my first act of obedience. Look at Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The, the apostle pre- uh, Peter has preached the gospel. People's hearts are turning towards Jesus. And they, they ask him in verse 37, so what do we do, man? What do we, what do we do with this message that we've heard? What do we do with this amazing message that Jesus saves? Peter says, repent. In other words, change your thinking. Turn your heart. Turn to God. That's what repentance is. And be baptized. Not end tithe, not end attend church, not end follow the Ten Commandments, not all those things are good. You should do all of them. First, be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive, and you will receive, and. So once I do the first thing, I am now a candidate for and. But see, if, if you don't have an education in this room, maybe you never graduated high school, you never went to college. If if you go to UNLV today and say, I want a doctorate, they're going to say, you you got a few steps, bruh. We'll, We'll give you a doctorate in time, but there's some things you skipped. And you know what? I know a lot of Christians who do a lot of spiritual things, but they've never done the first thing. And so they pray, but their prayers don't get answered. They give, but there is no blessing. They're trying to be a good person, but they can't seem to get a breakthrough. Why? Because they haven't done the first thing God told them to do. It's not that God is against all these other things they're doing. Those are good. Those are great. Don't stop. Just don't neglect the first. If you walked up to me today and you said, "Jabin, I'm a tither, but I've never been water baptized, I would say, thanks, but you're out of order because God's a God of order. Well, what if you lost my tithe? I don't get your tithe. That's between you and God. And I don't do this for the money, so keep it. You're in disobedience. Now, if you're not a believer in here, we're just having a little family talk real quick. But if you're a believer in Jesus, first things first. And the first thing is to declare to the world, I've died. And now I've been raised into new life. I'm I'm connecting, I'm joining my life to the life of the cross in the same way that Jesus died and rose. Now I die and I rise. And and I want to say this because some of you go, well, I was baptized as a child. I never want to disrespect the traditions that are represented in this room. But let me just tell you this, in the Bible... And I got my Bible here with my masks because I'm trying to be a good whatever. I'm trying to wear my mask. <laughs> uh, just wanted to let you know what these weird things are hanging out of my Bible. The, the word baptism is found 77 times in Scripture. Every time you find it, it's a Greek word called baptisma, which means to submerge. Not sprinkle, submerge. Because there's no symbolism in the sprinkling. The symbolism is in the submerging. Number two, every time you see baptism in the Bible, it's after salvation. Not before. So if you were a little kid or an infant and you got sprinkled in your denomination, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying the call of the believer is to be baptized after salvation. Look at Acts chapter 22 verse 16. Now what are you waiting for? Maybe I just ask everyone in the room, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized. Wash your sins away, calling on his name. This is a man who gets saved and the the preacher goes, all right, well, let's let's hit the water. Let's go. Time to dunk. What are we waiting for? Well, is my hair going to get wet? It is. It's going to get wet. Is my makeup going to? Yeah, it is. What if an eyelash? It might maybe take them off before. I don't know. Is the water cold? Probably a little. What are we waiting for? Uh, let's not, let's not, let's just not make excuses for this moment. So, so when I'm when I'm baptized, I'm publicly declaring Jesus is Lord of my life. When I'm, when I'm baptized, I take my first step of obedience as a disciple. My first step. See, water in the Bible, when you read in Scripture, water is always transitional. There's always a transition in water. The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. Noah and the waters. The different rivers in the Bible that all represent a transition. And especially the children of Israel. As they left Egypt, they crossed through the Red Sea water. They're now in the wilderness, but in order to get to the promised land, they have to cross through Jordan. By the way, that happens to be the river where Jesus was baptized. So every time you see water, Elijah, Elisha, there was transition at the River Jordan. There's always transition at the water. Let me tell you, baptism is a transitional moment for you, friend. See, when you get saved, you're saved. You're, you're, you've repented, but you're still on the wrong side of repentance. Like the children of Israel, you've left Egypt, but you're in the wilderness, But when you come out of the water... You come out on the right side of repentance. You're now in the promised land. You're now in the fullness of what God has for you. And can I just be honest with you? I know a lot of Christians that get delivered from Egypt, but they just hang out in the wilderness their entire life, but they never go through the water and they can never get victory and they can never get breakthrough because they're worried about their hair. Listen, you gotta go public because it's there that you go through the River Jordan and you come out on the other side in your promised land. And now... God can bless you and now God can favor you you're now on the right side of repentance I got married August 4th 2006 we'll celebrate 15 years this this summer you don't need to clap but but I mean she's a handful so you know I'm just kidding Uh, only say that with her not in the room Um, this doesn't prove I'm married, but it's, it's a sign I'm married. Um, I, I, I'm not wearing it right now. I'm still married. But it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to her that I wear it. And it means a lot to me. It means a lot to her that she wears her ring because it is a sign of covenant to all of you. See, by, by wearing this, here's what I'm telling you. I don't belong to me. I belong to another. I don't just make my own decisions anymore. I belong to another. I've submitted my life to another. And and she's number one, which means you're automatically number two. And so if she's my priority in a moment and you call and you text and, and you... Send me a DM and you demand attention. If, if she's getting my attention, you're number two. Yesterday was her birthday. Friday, we celebrated the day and went to a hotel for the night, had dinner, and I, I wasn't taking calls. I wasn't talking to others because everyone else in that moment is number two, and this is a sign that she's the number one. And, and when I said I do on August 4th, 2006, when I said I do to Shannon, I said I don't to the whole room said, I don't. I looked at my mom. I said, no. I love you. You're my mommy. I'm going to bless you and honor you, but no. I looked at my father-in-law, and I said, you were the boss. You're not the boss. I don't want to fight because you're my best friend, but I'll throw hands because he'd kill me. Listen, because in that moment, we not only said yes to each other, we said no to everything else. And when I go into the waters of baptism, not only am I saying yes to Jesus, but I'm saying no to the devil. I'm saying no to the world. I'm saying no to everyone else. And I'm saying, I'm now in covenant. And this is the sign of covenant. Water baptism is the wedding band of Christianity. Letting everyone know I'm taken. Now now imagine, ladies, imagine if you would a, a, a man coming to you and just saying, you know, I love you. I love you. I want to marry you, but I don't want to live together. I I don't want to wear rings. I will not change my status on Facebook. I will not post about you on Instagram. I will never give you my bank account. We will not have a wedding ceremony besides going down to the courthouse and signing the paper. I love you and we're married, but there will be no public declaration of my love for you. nope someone at the tent said nope and that's on period she said I said I don't even know what that means but that was fire <laughs> you know I'm old you know I don't know what these words mean but I was fired up about it. I said, bet you know I was trying to be cool did that work was that the right okay so anyway um no but, well but I but I want to marry her God knows my heart yeah but if you never go public I would tell you, young lady, I would say, I question his motives. And I would not touch him with a 10-foot pole ever again. I would run because he's trouble. That's what I would say. And maybe you're in like a DL something right now. I'd get out of that because they don't love you. If it's DL down low, all the old people in here down low, then it's, it's over because if, if it's not If it's not public, if it's not in the light, there's there's an obvious issue. And I know so many Christians who go, well, I, I know I'm saved. I'm saved by grace, Jabin. I don't have to get baptized. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to. But wouldn't you want to? Imagine me telling my wife 15 years ago, I don't have to have a ceremony. I don't have to buy you a ring. I don't have to live with you. Yeah, you don't have to. But there's obviously some dysfunction here. There's obviously some issues here. Can I I just tell you, believer, if you're a believer in Jesus and you've never been baptized, I go back to Acts 22. What are you waiting for? Put the ring on. Take the picture. Change the status. Let the world know. I do. And because I do, I don't. I'm going to have the keyboards come up. If you're new to church, whenever you see a keyboard player come up, that means church is almost over. So if you ever come back to our church, now you know how this works. When you see Zach, you know it's almost time for lunch. So you'll really love this guy. You'll be like, oh, that's my guy. Yeah, Zach. I'm hungry. Now, if you're, if you're not yet a believer, let's, we're in, we're, let's go back in order. It's by grace you've been saved by faith. It's, it's time to have that moment. If you are a believer, you're getting baptized today. We're so fired up for you. I'm about to release you in just a moment. We're going to cheer you on. We're so excited. Now, if you were not planning on being baptized, and after hearing this, you're like, I got to get baptized. You have two options. One, you can get baptized right now. Your second option is, you can come back tonight at the six, and we'll do it. If you if you know, like, man, there's a friend I want to come or some family, come back tonight at the six, and we'll baptize you. But there's a lot of people who have already signed up for this service to be baptized, and we're going to release you in a moment. But first things first, there's people you you've never given your life to Christ. You've never placed your faith in Him. Eyes off of you. Eyes on him. And if you've never done that, this is where we start. So let me give you that opportunity today to give to give your life to Christ. Surrender your life to him. There's a man who walks up to a preacher in in, in the Bible in the book of Acts, and and he says, Sir, what do I have to do to be saved? I think he was expecting a long list of do's and don'ts. And the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, said this: believe. Believe. Believe in Jesus, not in you, not in your works, not in what you've done, not in what you haven't done. Believe in Jesus, eyes off of you, eyes on him. And that's all Paul said. And you know what happened in that story? You could read it later. He believed. You know, the next thing he did is he goes, I should get baptized. And he gets baptized. But, but first, he believes. And maybe you're in this room, you've never placed your faith in Christ. This is your moment. Maybe you're in this room, and at one time, you were walking with God. You're out in the overflow. You were walking with the Lord, and you've, I don't know what term you would use. You walked away. You backslid. You, your heart grew hard towards God, and you've walked away. And Today, you want to come home. There's room. There's room for you. Jamin, I'm too jacked up for a church like this. You don't know the guy preaching right now. You don't know the people singing up. You don't know the, you don't know the lives that have been changed. We, we are no better than anybody. We were, we were dead. We were dead. And Jesus raised us up into new life. Jamie, I want to place my faith in Christ, or I want to rededicate my life. Pray this prayer with me. Here in the room, out in the lobby, wherever you're at. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. A very sacred moment of prayer before we dismiss. We're almost dismissed. We've we've literally been going 59 minutes. I'm gonna have have you out of here in just a few moments. So just be patient. But you know your heart is turning towards God and you know that God's calling you. Pray this with me now. Out loud, say, Jesus, I believe in you and I place my faith in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I declare Jesus is Lord of my life. Now, heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed here in the room, out in overflow. I'm going to count to three, and on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to publicly affirm your faith in Christ today. If you just prayed that prayer and you said, I'm giving my life to Jesus, or I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, both here and in the lobby. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to move you out of your seat. We're not going to make you get baptized. No one is going to bother you. But between you and me, between you and God and this preacher, I just want to give you the opportunity to publicly declare your faith in Christ. So right where you're sitting, you will not move. You will not make a noise. But just I want to publicly affirm this moment for you. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm rededicating my life to Christ in the room, in the lobby. You know who you are. One, two, three. Let me see your hand. I see you, 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 I see you here. I see all over here. I see you all back here. I see all back here. I know in the lobby, I know many are raising their hands right now. I'm just celebrating. I see all the way over here. Beautiful. So many hands all over the room. Unbelievable. You can put your hands down. Now, church, for you who did not raise your hand, I want us to use our hands, and I want us to celebrate. All those who. Hallelujah. Just gave their life to the Lord.